Welcome back, community group leaders, to this week's episode of The Deeper Podcast, where we partner with you as you grow closer to God, His Word, and people. I'm your host, Cody Leakian, and we're joined here with Joe Hishma this week as we start looking at Paul, his time in Caesarea, focusing in on Acts 26. Hey, Cody. Hey, everyone. It's great to have you back, and back in the routine of gathering together through a podcast and helping you uh, and equip you to lead your your small groups. Awesome. So glad to have you back. So like I mentioned last week, we have the PDFs coming out week two. I'd love to hear your feedback on how that's going. What would you like different in it? So feel free to respond to the email this week if that if you have any feedback on that or stop me on the weekend and we can talk about that. Love to hear from you on that. So Joe, we recently started the series in Acts. It's been a three-weeker. So as we're finishing up this week on the third week, what are your kind of big hopes, big takeaways that came from this series, that our time in Acts, that you would hope that we kind of picked up after being in it for three weeks? Yeah, thanks, Cody. So it's all about being a witness, and we're seeing that witness um, where Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And what Luke is writing it for is to share the acts of the apostles in taking and being that witness, not just in Jerusalem, but Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I look at that as it's written, you can't just help, you can't help but noticing it's not just written for a group of people who knew Paul. This is group, this is for us today. And so what is the current manifestation of being a witness in our world today? of everything that we've seen and heard about Jesus Christ. And I want us all to get the weight of that responsibility. There is a sense in which it is the power of the Holy Spirit working through the church, but the the church is that available instrument that Paul was, just Mm -hmm. by being available to trust the gospel to be moved and motivated from your life, from one life to another. So that's my big goal, that we would see we're still in this. The gospel still applies to us. This is still the responsibility of the church to be witnesses and to reach a watching world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's not over 2000 years later. We're it's still not. we're still going for it and the examples of Christ are are eternal, right? These That's we right. get to see this in scripture like it just cuz we've changed and now we have cell phones and cars and all of this stuff it it's still the mission is still the same and we're still called to be witnesses and Christ's example hasn't changed. That's so. right. That's right. That's awesome. This week in our daily devotional, we started in Acts 22, where Paul, he's given his testimony, and then boom, whisked away, he's taken up, they take him in shackles, and we get to the point where he's walking through his various defenses of his faith, where he's given his testimony a couple times throughout there, there's that little assassination of plot that we got going, so now he's escorted by these 200 people, and all this big deal. My personal favorite moment is when Paul drops the, oh, by the way, I'm not just a Pharisee. Pharisee by blood, That's and then right. the whole uproar in the Sanhedrin, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall at that moment, just to see the chaos as they're like, oh, oh no, what do we do? That's and right. he's like, he's a Roman, Roman citizen. citizen, like, yeah. oh, how, what are we doing? Like, are, And then the fear in them of like, we're treating a Roman citizen like this? Like, what are we doing? Oh, would love to have been a fly on the wall at that moment. So as we settle into this week's passage in Acts 26 for the message, can you kind of share with us a little background, like, where are you going with this? Okay, so uh, Paul's in Caesarea, and whenever I travel to Israel, I love to go to Caesarea. It's the first stopping point of my tour, Mm. and it's my stopping point because that was a Roman city. 
Um, Herod the Great built that in honor of Caesar, hence Caesarea, Caesarea, okay? Name and convention, real unique right there. Okay. (laughs) So he does it for the honor and the glory of Rome, and he builds this white city made out of white marble and has all the, the manifestations of what a Roman city is. And so you see Herod the Great and you see Caesar is Lord in that in that city. And yet that's where Paul would spend over two and a half years in house arrest, hmm. waiting to be tried. I, and you can't help but think, my goodness, this is is this a waste of time? Yeah. And in actuality, it's his clearest defense to a public and a Roman audience of who Christ is and what his purpose in his life is for. So it all builds up to who is Jesus and um, and what am I here to do in Acts chapter 26. It's the central passage to the defense of the gospel. Yeah, that, that climactic point of like, it's not all worthless as Paul is spending all that time in prison. That's right. Because I would feel like Man, this sucks. This is worthless, right? Like uh, two years just sitting there. But yeah, I really like that. And um, surprisingly, in Acts chapter twenty six, no one comes to Christ. So mm-hmm. he speaks to um, he speaks to Fest, uh, Festus, and Festus says, "You're out of your mind." He speaks to Agrippa. Crazy. Agrippa says, "Do you think you're really going to convince me in this short <laughs> of time about to be a Christian?" Right. And and Paul is faithful in the midst. So it's not like thousands come to Christ. Not like but Acts in this, two. Not like Acts two. But it's a it's a huge moment in which in a public arena the gospel can be displayed and seeds could be planted. We don't know what God did with this. We just yeah. get Acts twenty six. No one believed. But you really get the picture of how many of us have read Acts chapter twenty six and not just uh, we're instructed not just what to say but how to say it when we're a witness for the gospel yeah so you kind of hinted at that a little bit earlier about paul spending that time in prison and feeling like it's worthless like how do i navigate through all of this so as we're focusing on acts 26 no one was saved like but what does this teach us about the heart of paul in this time and his job as a Christian is to just go and proclaim this, but it feels worthless at this point. So like, what are we, what are we learning from that? Yeah. So in my message, I talk about, um, we see his personal story come through on this. He Mm -hmm. always shared what happened to him, what was his personal experience, how God transformed his heart, moved him from someone who was primarily Jewish in his identity and therefore restrictive of anything outside of that, of which the gospel would preach the gospel to the Gentile world, and how it melted his heart, and his heart became someone who he writes, uh, you know, I'm in in Corinthians, I'm to the church in Corinth, I, I am constrained, I am... I am compelled by the gospel. The love of God compels us because we believe that this Christ is really who he said he was. Hmm. And so you see the, his heart for the nations. You see his heart for um, people on the center of power as well as people on the sidelines of power. Hmm. And all the different people he was allowed a freedom to continue having ministry to even though he stood in a public environment and on was was on public display and ro- mocked and ridiculed in that environment. You just see his heart for whoever, whoever I can proclaim the gospel to. Yeah. Yeah. What an example of how to be faithful in trying circumstances. And while that might not necessarily be the case every day here in America, but sometimes we do get that where it's like we're preaching a message that's countercultural. And so it could feel kind of scary, like we're the crazy ones. And having that reminder from Paul of like, yeah, people are going to think you're crazy, but you know what? The gospel's worth it, and That's it doesn't right. matter what other people think. That's right. 
because eternity here is what matters. Yep. I I like specifically about um, when he says this to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, when he said, um, when Agrippa said to him, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul says, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I, except for these chains. It just showed you his heart right there. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that just was the motivating force in his, in his heart and in his life. So, Joe, now we're on to my favorite question here. Anything else from the time of study that you're not able to include in your message, because you've only got so much time, but there's so much here in the scriptures, or something that you think would be helpful for community groups to help during their discussion? Yeah, sure. So one of the areas I wasn't able to develop in the message itself was how Paul utilized everything at his disposal to um, defend the gospel and to promote the advancement of the gospel through his life. So if you see his arrest, he appeals with the law and the prophets to the Jewish leaders who wanted him dead, that he, that Jesus wasn't the threat they thought he was. He was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. S- secondly, he, he spoke to the Roman audience when mm. he said, uh, is it lawful for you to punish a Jewish, I mean, uh, a Roman citizen? I'm not only Pharisee, I'm also Jewish. And so he used that, where he used that privilege in being such a minority of the Roman Empire, we're Roman citizens, he used that at, to his advantage. And secondly, he called out political leaders. He literally called out, like with, um, with Felix and Drusilla, they were living in an incestuous relationship. They, um, they were in hedonism and sexual pleasure. He called them to the righteousness of God. He called them to self-control. Hmm. And he called them to um, the responsibility before the Lord on the coming judgment day. Okay? So, <laughs> I mean, these are not popular. Right. But he, was, he, he kept the character of Christ and the person in the character of Christ central to his message. And then he boldly proclaimed the gospel and appealed to Rome. So it, it just shows us, don't despise politics, but represent Christ in politics. And that's so important, especially since we have leaders who can probably coax the Christian community in but aren't living Christ-like. The the church needs to not be swayed by either political group. It needs to promote Jesus and use every privilege, every um, opportunity to advance the gospel. Yeah, what a great reminder that, you know, God's got us here in this country. We've got these certain freedoms that we have and the ability to express them and that we should do it like Paul used his Roman citizenship for the advancement of the gospel. And so God's got us here and we're going to be needing to do that instead of looking for that fulfillment in the political party or in the world in some way, because ultimately it's going to be always letting us down and Mm -hmm. not reflecting the heart of Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. So awesome. So as we're going into this time and how we are going to take this message, take this passage of scripture and apply it into our lives, got a couple questions for you. The first of which is, who are you sharing Christ with? So as we go about, we're reading this, we get to see Paul and what he's sharing Christ with. So who are you sharing Christ with and how are we going to work on taking that into our lives? Okay. So there's... um Actually, two questions with this one. There's yeah. who you're sharing with Christ. Uh, who are you sharing Christ with, outside 
of your of your home. Yeah. And then who are you sharing Christ with inside your home? Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that some are believers and some are non-believers. I, I want you to approach, if you have a believing family, are you sharing Christ with your children and with your spouse? Mm-hmm. So many couples come to church or they even go to community group, but yeah. that's the max. They don't share anything about what Christ is doing in their lives. They aren't praying together. And this is central. This is essential in our lives. If we're going to be a a witness outside the home, the platform of the home needs to be that environment where you do that. If you ignore the home and just preach the gospel in a public arena, you will usually treat people like projects Hmm. and like the gospel, like a program for people to get in their lives. And that really what Paul is showing us is all of life is the gospel, is is uh, impacted, influenced, and is an opportunity to preach the gospel. And so we need to do that. So let's talk about our spouses. Let's talk about our children. How are we sharing Christ there? And then one of the common themes after our homes are mentioned there, it's you and two. Do you have two people in your life who are far from Christ and who need him that you will at least pray for them? And look for an opportunity to share Christ with them. Yeah. When I first heard that question, my mind immediately went to the two-year-old and thinking about, well, how do I take these super complex uh, theologies and get them to where she can understand them and she's barely processing words and mm-hmm. learning about how all this speech works? And for me, getting to see her like singing the songs from the nursery, those truths of Scripture, like, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so— and then coming around the corner and hearing her do that as she's just playing with her little blocks is just so uplifting and knowing like, okay, so this is really complex. Was able to get it down to where after she's done singing and she's playing with blocks, I can ask her, Charlie, how do you know that Jesus loves you? And she says, well, daddy, the Bible tells me so. Yeah, that's awesome. And so these simple truths and being able to do that has helped me so much and having the confidence and going up to people who I interact with in the community or outside to know like, okay, I have the ability to do it. It's done. And oftentimes I feel like it's hardest for me to do it with the people in my family. Cause to go up to my wife and be like, all right, I think we should pray today about X, Y, or Z. It's just so much more nerve wracking than going up to somebody who's outside and be like, Hey, can you explain to me like why you're acting a little differently? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, well let me tell you about how my life has been changed. Whereas when my wife comes to me and is like, Hey, I'm really feeling at not at peace with this. Can we pray about it? And then starting that prayer is so much harder. And so for me, like sharing Christ with the family has given me that confidence to share it with others, the you and two. That's right. That's right. Awesome. And so in the similar vein as those first two questions is what are the ways that people know that you are a follower of Jesus? Like what makes it different? Like how is this going to do anything. Yeah. I had a friend who serves on a foundation and uh, he gives money all around the world due to some wealthy people that give to that foundation. And he was uh, researching the church in South Korea. And when they, before they gave anyone membership to their church, they went to their neighbors and they asked them, this person is wanting to be a member of our church and this church is a Christian church. What do you see in their lives that you see a picture of them a picture of Christ? Or Mm. what what, do you notice a difference in them? Are they more loving? Are they more caring? (laughs) And as soon as I heard that, I thought, what would people say if they went to my neighbors? Oh, (laughs) yeah, that was my first thought. As soon as you're going to that, I was like, oh, no. That's right. So I think that's that's the starting point is how do people know that I'm a believer? 
whether it's uh, in in my workplace, how and again, we're not just talking about bumper stickers and yeah. placards around your cubicle. We're talking about what actions, what words, what behaviors are you doing that reflect Christ? And I think for me, I think for me, I'm always going to bring around whether it's a neighbor, whether it's someone who knows Christ or someone who doesn't. I'm always going to bring prayer in, into the topic. If someone says, man, this has been a tough week, I'm always going to go to prayer because I believe that prayer is the greatest thing I can do for people. Prayer is the opening of the situation, opening of the life to the work of God. Prayer is the availability of my life to be aligned to the will of God. And so it's always going to be about prayer with me and the people that I come in contact with. And yes, it for people who know I'm a pastor, it's just easy. No one's going to say, no, I don't want to pray with you. Right. Um, as a pastor, but it's it's a starting point for me. God has always honored that when I've begun with prayer. Yeah, that's the most you can do, and what a great opportunity to just start that conversation, letting people even feel heard with just being pray, prayed right. for. Yeah, that's right. huge. For me, I feel like the easiest outward appearance is to see the integrity, um, just w- living life with that, and people mm-hmm. seeing that, saying there's something different about you. And what I've noticed a lot, like with the world and where everyone's at and just such a polarized nation and so much like uproar that we have is just having peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can get so easy to get wrapped up into the, oh, no, policies are changing or, oh, no, the economy or all of this. But having the peace and knowing like well, God's been through this before. Mm-hmm. God's been through way worse with humanity. You know, we've had depressions. We've had all of these other economic collapses. We've had wars. We've had such bigger things. And so to be able to have peace and know like, well, ultimately it doesn't matter what happens to this nation. Yeah. Because serving God and serving the kingdom, eternity is far longer than any short period of time on on this world. And so having just that peace seems to just radiate and have much greater ripples than you know, even standing on a street corner for me in my life and just letting people see that yeah, and knowing like, wow, you're a safe person to come talk to. Those have been huge for me. Yeah. And if I could just give you some feedback, I think I see those two in you also. So you live them in your job as you're living them out in the world. And that's really the picture of being integrity, having integrity. You're whole. You're, you're the yeah. same person here as you out, are out in the world. Yeah. It's important. Awesome. Well, Joe, can you pray for the leaders as we go yeah. about preparing for this week? And Sure. Father, thanks for this time. Thank you for just getting together, getting around your word, looking at Acts chapter 26, and looking at the life of Paul. I pray for each of us that we would be inspired by his witness and we would follow his example. And I pray for people in our lives who don't know you, and I, pray, I thank you for using us, for inviting us in. You could do it a different way. You could do it in a way that seems better to us, but you choose to invite us into it because you want to transform our hearts to the power of the gospel, moving through one life to another. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for including us in your work, and I pray that we would live out that purpose, that people would turn from darkness to the light of Christ, that they would turn from the power of Satan to the power of God through the glory of the gospel. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And women, don't forget that Fresh Grounded Faith is coming up fast. It's next weekend, so you're going to want to go online and register now so that you can ensure that you've got a ticket for that because it's they're going fast and it's going to sell out. And so we want to make sure that you're there because it's going to be an amazing opportunity to grow closer to other women and go closer to God. Also, leaders 
and groups who are looking to add to your number. We have Group Link coming up on October 6th. We're super excited for this. It's the first time we've done this kind of iteration. Some things have been like it in the past, but this is the first time we're going in this direction. We'd love to have you there. And if you'd love to be there, I would ask that you go online to the link in the email and register so that I can know you're coming and have updated information on your group. So that way when I people are coming, I can accurately send them to the correct table. And so look forward to seeing you register for that. And that's going to be a great time on October 6th. Well, awesome. That's all I've got for today. And so thanks, thanks you guys everyone. for watching.